heavy track today. Yeah, not vibing risky lettuce, getting sinker vibes. I don't know, says on the Tab app she's firming. Don't just vibe it, get expert tips in Tab's new race feed. Tab, we're on. What are you really gambling with? In front of Riff Rocket, followed by Apulia. Sunsets at the 200. Riff Rocket pegging it back. Riff Rocket took the front. It's just in front. Riff Rocket from Sunsets Apulia. Riff Rocket. Apulia's coming at it. Riff Rocket. Apulia. A head bobber. Head bobber. A photo finish. A thrusting, desperate finish between Riff Rocket and Apulia. Heads up and down. Sunsets third, then Cosguy. Um, I think that. The, t- the three best horses come away and it would have been a great spectacle to watch but um, been blessed with a couple of really close photos and this was another one that I thought I was done to a dinner on the line but the poor Hayes boys would be hating, hating on me. Mark Zara, Apulia. Yeah, look, he ran super, had a, had a nice run. Um, he's just such a big-looking horse. Like, when I was inside the other two, he really struggled to pick up. And then when I got the second horse, he got, you know, where the winner was stopping or I was coming. But his last 50 was great. Uh, a good run. Johnny Allen, Sunsets. Uh, he's gone super. Um, we were able to offset the gate fairly quickly. Um, yeah, look, he's tried his heart out. The uh, other two were just a little bit too good from him all right, there's a snapshot of the beaten jockeys there as well. Chris Waller joins us after winning his second derby in a row on Saturday. Chris, congratulations. What a performance by Riff Rocket. Did you think you'd won on the line? Morning, lads. Yeah, it was um, a great a great finish, and I, I, just, I chose to stay out of it. I think um, as a trainer, you hate going to early crows, so uh, it was tough. <laughs> it was tough, and... I was with J.D. Hayes last night, and um, I felt for him. But geez, they're they're a tough they're a tough crew, and um, yeah, they've got a good horse there. And we got the day on Saturday, but gee, it could have gone either way. Chris, when you consider what the Hayes boys have been through in the space of you know a little more than a week, have Thanks you had to James McDonald? Yeah, <laughs> have you had periods like that in your career where you've just gone near miss, near miss, near miss in in major races with the same villain yeah. each time? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we all have. I actually said to him, I said, you'll be tapping me on the shoulder at some stage, say, got you today. <laughs> so, uh, it does it does go around pretty quick. Um, as simple as that. Hey, Chris, you're a, a devoted watcher of Hong Kong races, and I think Joe Marrera was the first I saw with that great skill of, of, of seemingly pushing down on the neck over the line. And we had Stephen Arnold in yesterday saying that, when it works, it works. Uh, it's, there's a bit of an optical illusion, but James McDonald's now done it twice in these big races. The Cox Plate, he was all over the neck of Romantic Warrior and, and Riff Rocket yesterday, whether it made the winning difference or not, but it's it's a developing style of a few of these big jockeys, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I watched the, the last 100 metres and you could see him sitting so, so, um, so um, still too. And I guess you, you're out on... you just... The horse is out on his legs, literally, and um, yeah, I could just see him just just sort of doing as little as he could. Often the whip goes away as well, and they just set themselves up for that last that last drive. So whether it's just all talk or whether it is actually factual, I'm not sure, but it looked looked pretty good on Saturday from his perspective. I actually put it to him afterwards on the on the coverage, and he goes, he, he tried to deflect it straight away and said, no, 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 that's just me having my head down and bum up. Uh, it uh-huh. wasn't anything. But I, I think the good jockeys find that timing to perfection, don't they, Chris? They seem to, yeah. And it's it's just confidence. And 
And look, Mark, so he's writing better, or he's never written better, I mm. guess. But how we see it, he probably differs. In his opinion, he's probably no, not writing any different to how he is every other year. But it's just amazing to see these good jockeys. And as James said, post-race, it would have been a great spectacle. It certainly was. Chris, tell us about Riff Rocket. He's by American Pharaoh, who's... It seems weird, but he's almost been under the radar... Um, with his performances. I know he's had uh, a few nicer horses this season emerge, and Riff Rocket's certainly one of them. I know he's just won a derby, but his best performance, that superimposed when he blew them away at 1,800. Do you think in time this is a genuine staying horse, or will you look to just bring him back to that 2,000-metre range a bit? Well, I think we'll bring him back because, uh, yeah, he was out on his legs there on mm. Saturday. Um, the damn side... Um, suggest that it's more speed than stamina. So that's why I'm thinking that. And I think it was only the American Pharaoh factor. Mm. What we underestimate, I think, with these American horses is how good they are at that, those tough, and you're a good form student, like um, Kentucky Derby, yeah. it's, that's run, that, it's a race to every quarter, as they say. It's only 2,000 metres, but they just do not leave. They just do not die wandering. It's a, a race to the front, and you've got to sustain it. And then for him to win the Triple Crown, I think it's 2,400, the same similar trips to Derby. So I think there's plenty of stamina from there, and I think that's why we get a few of the American Italians mixed up. And I think he's one of them. He's, he's, he's a better staying stallion than he's a speed stallion. Just speak into the – you're just drifting off a bit there, Chris, uh, just from the phone. Um I was watching the Breeders' Cup yesterday too, and I love American racing. I, I love, I'm addicted to the to the, the history of it, and because because of this the relentless brutality of the of the way they race it. As you say, they don't die wondering. Best horse usually wins because luck's taken out of it. It's all just getting test. from A to B. It's a test. Um, what about uh, the Derby itself, though, Chris? Having spoken about how tough the this son of American Pharaoh is, the, the annual debate keeps coming up. And you said that he did get the wobbles late. Uh, are you a fan of the, the twenty five hundred Spring Oaks and Derby, or are you? Would you be happy to see it come back in distance? This debate comes up every year, but it's certainly surfaced again. I found a good answer on Friday at the Carbine Club, uh, and I said. Um because I'm travelling back to Sydney tomorrow to watch the Golden Eagle, I'll stay out of the debate of the Derby coming back in distance. Well, you've won the last two, so you, you can't want to change the distance too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, look, it comes up very early. It's a unique race, and, um, yeah, you get into a bit of trouble if you start suggesting changes. I think, again, that's when the patent committee needs to sit down and, and get real and work out best for racing. Speaking of that sort of thing, the pattern, uh, uh, the Japanese winner of the, the Golden Eagle, the Hong Kong winner of the Cox Plate, um, you know, the, the, the racing world's shrinking, but we, we, we're always a long way away down in this bottom corner. Do you think this might ignite the idea of, of a more regional competition between Hong Kong, even Japan, Australia, and maybe even New Zealand, if the Entain dollars keep coming in, that there could, in an ideal world, be a, a flowing circuit of these, of these great horses more regularly through, uh, through the region? Yeah, I think it could. And I've heard a few little few little um, whispers along the way that there could be some smart people working out an idea how to do it but the um, the sacrifice when you do send a horse overseas is huge so when you're 
sending a horse, say, from Australia to run in Hong Kong and then to Dubai, then to <clears throat> somewhere else in the Middle East or England, America, um, it comes at a cost. So you need to be, you need to be um, rewarded for that cost and a sign-on type fee would be the only way it would work. Like you might need three or four million dollars guaranteed and yes, we would then run in six races but because, yeah, it's just so hard, especially from us down here in Australia or New Zealand, we're miles away and it's a it's a 30-hour trip. But if you were to shrink it to a more regional part of the world, like accept what you're saying, that it's difficult, and then shrink it to just the southeast. I'm thinking Japan, Hong Kong, Australia, and potentially some sort of a capital injection in New Zealand where you, you don't actually create new races, but you just have an established group of races with big bonuses and incentives or whatever it takes to get Golden 60 Hare or Romantic Warrior back or, or, or the fifth best, best Japanese horse, that sort of thing. I think that would be realistic and maybe coming together for a grand final with the, with the Northern Hemisphere as well. But mm. even the likes of Japan, they're coming out of their hemisphere to run in ours. That's, that's good for one or two runs, but once the horse wakes up that he's in a different hemisphere, it's really hard. So there's, there's little challenges, yep. but as we see with modern-day sport, um, it's important to go with change, and, yeah, it's an exciting idea. Chris, just before I ask you about your cup runners, uh, just a, a quick word on Shinzu. He, he was really honest in the Coolmore. Yeah. Um, back in form, I know you've been saying he's been going really well without luck. And uh, while he was defeated, he certainly wasn't um, disappointing. What's the future hold for him in the autumn, do you think? Yeah, all going to plan. He'd be an ideal new market horse. and I'd love to stretch him out to 1,400 metres as well. I didn't think they ran that quick through the early and mid stages. And when, when they sprinted, as we were trying to drift across to the better ground, he was just left left out of his comfort zone. So I think 1,400 metres as a three-year-old in the autumn would be exciting after the new market. Just just one on the on the Coolmore, Chris, just the way the race played out. As they cantered to the gates, you thought, these are all the glamour three-year-olds. They don't get any better. But the race played out in a bit of a holding pattern, didn't it? It was sort of... We spoke to Rachel King yesterday. She said she thought she was going to win after 100 metres because it was almost... And it almost unfolded as a procession, which was a little bit frustrating in a way, but that's just the way the race panned out, I suppose. Yeah. Well, we were even anticipating to get some cover, but they did, they went that slow to our eyes that we just couldn't even get the cover from that gate. And then when they were starting to drift across it, I think people or the jockeys were more worried about positions and part of the track rather than the speed of the race. And it just got away. And full credit to the winner, but it just took a little bit of the tempo out. There was tempo in the Empire Rose and a tissue smashed home to line. Does she go to the matriarch again? Um, she's now a Group 1 winner, Mick, so <clears throat> we'll probably aim a little bit higher. Yeah. The Group 2 is the race she would win, um, but we'd probably have a throw at the stumps in the 2000 metre of the Champions race. Mm. And I guess that's the beauty of these types of races. Um, everybody gets a second chance and... You would get a horse that would normally be running in the matriarch, running for the three million dollar prize. So that'll that'll make a great day of racing, and I think mm. she'll get a chance there. And will Fangirl be in one of the champions races? Pretty sure she will. Um, she's she spent last week at Macedon. She's now at Flemington, and I looked at her this morning. She looked great. So we're leaning towards running her in the mile. 
Gee, it's going to be a cracker. Uh, Mr. Brightside, Alligator Blood Fangirl. Can't wait for that on mm. Saturday. Uh, before then, uh, we need to see if you can win another Lexus Melbourne Cup. Four runners, uh, a great effort in itself to have four in the Cup. The Magic Man. Can he produce the magic and sulk him from barrier four and get him to jump? Um, I certainly hope so. He's, it sounds like he's in great form too. I'm not sure if you're aware, but... Six winners, was it? Me, Yeah, it was something, it's something like about 12 winners and about 18 rides. Yeah. Jeez. So he's he's really either like, due to crumble or he's due to it. keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll try a few little different things with Sulcum, just give him a good warm-up. He normally gets ponied to the start. We might just try and give him a good canter down to the barriers and keep him on his toes before he goes in. Uh, blinkers come off and we're just desperate for him to begin on turns. If he does, um, he gave them six lengths in the Caulfield Cup and he got beaten about six lengths. Do you see him as being one of the top two, three in the market or in expectations to win a Melbourne Cup? Yeah, I do for sure. Obviously, huge respect for Gold Trip having won the race last year in the form he's come back in. And all the talks about Vauban, you can't you can't not hear that talk. So I think he's right up there. And um, whether he's in front of those two, I don't know. But he's certainly worth talking about a top three chance. The other trio may be a little long in the odds. And I know you've criticised a little bit the price of some of these horses. Shiraz, Magical Lagoon, more felons, two of those coming through the Geelong Cup. Uh, what would be your pick of that trio? I would say more felons still has a little bit of x factor about him. He's got the European um, build-up. He's done all his work over there and he's a good, tough performer and he's been running in the same races as Absurd and, and, and a few of the others. So his, his run at Geelong was good. He didn't get a lot go his way. Just need a touch of luck from the draw and Magical Lagoon. I'm just clinging to the fact that she's by Galileo. Mm. She's a group one winner in Ireland and she'll bring some of that Stamina, no doubt. And Shiraz, look, realistically, more a Sydney Cup type of horse, but I think he can run top 10. Outside of the Cup, you've got some really nice chances. Mr. Waterville, Jolly Star, Madame Pomery, Fine Point also. Um, who do you think is your best on the day? Probably Mr. Waterville. Um, he's drawn wide. They've, they've all drawn wide, in fact. Mm. Um, but he, he he's, a, he's a pretty good horse, and I'm hoping he could win. And... Um, Jolly Star, she's a nice filly to be watching. Um, just needs a touch of luck from that draw, but we expect to take her through to the 1,000 guineas. And Madame Pomery was pretty unlucky at Caulfield. She um, just needs a touch of luck from the gate. And fine points first up, probably a little bit vulnerable first up. You've got Wicklow in the big dance in Sydney with Tommy Berry uh, in the saddle. It'll be hard to beat there as well. Um, Will you be at Flemington? I'm assuming you'll be at Flemington with four in the Cup tomorrow. It was unfortunate we didn't get to see you there after winning the Derby, but Charlie Duckworth did a great job uh, with his acceptance speech. No, we'll be there to, on Tuesday. Uh, can't wait. Looking forward to it. Looks like it's going to be a great day. Best of luck, Chris. Well done again in the Derby. Thanks all.